I ran up a check, I might do it again. Enemies close, had me thinking they're friends. Ten toes down, I'll be free until the end. Crib outside the city, I don't feel safe in my hands. Took so many years, I've been swaying for the wins. I'm in debt to no one but the one who took my sins. I do it for real, there's no reason to pretend. If I do it once, I'll do it again. Add it up, add it up. Good man, keep no sleep. What's happening? What's happening with it, Bruh, It's it's December. It's Christmas month. Uh, yeah, man. We, we, we're, we're a few weeks out. Uh, you know, we all blessed to be here, man. Uh, a big shout out and a big prayers go out to those people in uh, Denver. That whole situation. That yeah. Happened. I mean, sorry, not Denver, but Michigan. I mean, you're talking, yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get yeah, you man. I'm, I'm uh, you know, uh, really sad about that situation. Shout out to the, you know, my prayers go out to their families and everybody that was affected by that. And also my prayers got to that young man that uh they caused all that ruckus, man. And something definitely was disturbing with that young man to be able to do something like that. But uh, you know, in this trying times, man, I wish everybody I hope everybody send their prayers out to them. Definitely, man. Appreciate you for bringing that up. I mean, and you just think about it, right? This is this is that season where we start what well, we should always, but making sure we're thankful for who we have, what we have, and and not to take advantage of it because literally in the blink of an eye, something could change and and, and it could be for 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 the worst. But um, you right now, you you traveling, so you you definitely making sure you getting quality time in with the extended family, right? You you on the other side of the country right now, right? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm in Minnesota right now. You know, traveling, uh, getting some stuff set up out here, um, and uh, just you know making my way around. You know, as usual, just trying to take care of the family before we get to the festive holidays. I love it. Keep those ten toes down. Stay blessed. <laughs> uh, man, I'm, but I mean to be honest with you, man, just like hearing that story. Just definitely thankful for family, mm-hmm. man, and family and friends because, uh, like you said, at any time, things they could be altering, altering change. That's true. That's true. So, folks, if if you take anything, as always, from from Team No Sleep, right? We we make you think a little bit more about certain things, but make sure you reach out to someone in your in your inner circle so uh, you have that contact. And look at that, right on cue, right on cue. Senior pops in. Look, look. At, I talked to the man this morning, so appreciate you, sir, for jumping in to to the show today. 
Hey man, let, let's go ahead and get focused. Let's get into it. We we got someone sitting in the green room right now, and you you brought a guest. Appreciate you for bringing, for reaching in the Rolodex, right? And 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 finding someone, some some more folks to come on. So I'm gonna let you do the introduction, and then we'll bring this young man on. Absolutely, a uh, good friend of mine, a very community activist. Um, uh, he was an excellent athlete when he played football. He played in the NFL. Um, he's he's definitely big in business. Uh, community things he does just for for um, just for our surrounding community down in San Diego, and I believe he does some stuff in, in Miami as well as Dallas as well. But he has his hand stretched out to everyone uh, just to be tapping into a lot of different things. So I wanted to bring him on, you know, because I think he has a lot of insight, especially for social impact. Men have always have in depth conversations about things that are going on in the world, not only locally where we're in our area, but also just in general about things that happen in sports. So I thought he would be a perfect person to bring onto our show to be able to talk about some things that's going on and discuss some of the topics we got going on. So with further ado, my man, my ace, my dude, uh, J.R. Tope. Look at you. You bring, you bring him on like, like Steve Harvey, right? From, from <laughs> <laughs> Kings of Comedy. Was. Mr. Tover, good, good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Welcome to Team No Sleep. We put you in the big screen over there. Uh, thank you for the time, man. We thank you for the time. Let, let's, let's get into it, man. Talk to us. Tell the folks who unfortunately, who may not know who you are, give, give the folks that, that elevator pitch of who J.R. Tover is. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I think Montel definitely did me justice. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, had a little bit of a split childhood. So I grew up in Louisiana till I was about 12, um, Shreveport. And then I moved to San Diego. My dad's from Louisiana. My mom's from San Diego when I was 13. And so I kind of had the best of both worlds. I got to grow up in the South uh, and kind of see, you know, what that Southern hospitality is all about. And then when I moved to San Diego, um, got a chance to to really see what the West Coast was about and the culture of the West Coast. So uh, I tell people all the time, man, I, I had the best of both worlds as, as, as a kid. And um, yeah, man, I ended up going to San Diego State, getting drafted by the Miami Dolphins, played in the NFL for about four years. Uh, became a high school football coach and athletic director, did that for about six years, um, have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So uh, most of my post NFL career has been dabbling in in businesses and entrepreneurship. So um, back in San Diego and, uh, you know, Montel touched on it. The, the one great thing about being an entrepreneur is uh, you have the ability to, to impact your community in in more ways than one so try to do as much as i can in the community especially with um some of the local uh, organizations here and whether it's advice or capital or you know what have you do what i can to to impact the community that that impacted me so much as a, as a kid so that is i love it love it man appreciate you, you know we're we gonna get into some things too because uh did my research and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, don't, don't come on here being humble, brother. Look, we, we, we know what you can do. We know, you know how to run routes and catch the ball. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we all, all, you know, mountain West conference. We, we know about these things. Uh, eventually I want to get into a conversation and I told you about this ahead of time too, about NIL. Cause I know you, you've done some conversation about that. And Montel and I have talked about this quite a bit because of this whole, this whole new paradigm that's affecting, affecting these uh, young athletes today. But 
we always like to start Team No Sleep lately with kind of the social impact story. And we are going to go ahead and, and get into that one right now. Uh, we're going to give our flowers to Lee Elder, right? Lee Elder, first uh, black man to get out there and compete in the Masters. Unfortunately, we lost him this past week at, at the age of 87. And it, it's interesting to see that, you know, when, when I first thought about this, I thought about, you know, this is a guy probably who, who, who put paved the way for someone like a Tiger Woods. Right. And, and, and that's that goes without saying. But it, it's interesting to see and it's actually comforting to see that more of the other big name players within golf are coming out and giving their respect and showing it's, it's, it's posthumous. But again, saying that, you know, Lee Elder was actually a quality man, quality player, quality uh, competitor, things of that nature. So when Jack comes out and says that, you know, it. That actually kind of touched my heart to see some of those other giants within the game that uh, come out and said that going out there, playing in Augusta, you, this black man, when it's it's not even integrated out there at first, but you were actually getting out there and, and competing decently well as well, you know, when, when he played. But, you know, what are your guys' thoughts about uh, Lee Elder? And did you know much about him before uh, kind of the news came out? Um, I can comment first. Um, I know a little bit about him. Not as much as in depth as the article kind of detailed on him, mm. but uh, I felt that he opened the door for Calvin Pete, and obviously Calvin Pete opened the door yeah. for, for 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 a Tiger to be able to come here. I thought it was very interesting, and like you said, not only that they paid homage, but I also think that like the you know it was a sense of respect. Got to imagine this man, this 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 black man was in the country club that doesn't allow blacks, that you know really didn't allow blacks to participate or at least join. You know yeah. I don't know how I don't even know how he kind of broke the ground to be able to participate, but. Um, to join, to be able to participate with the best in the world and compete heavily, um, I can't. Just, I just can imagine the doors that he opened for us. And I mean, it, it, it's crazy that uh, there hasn't been more stories about him breaking ground in these types, these types of fashions and everything like that. And I would hope this would encourage more African American youth to play golf. I mean, you know, we lost. We had a big swing when Tiger was there, and then it kind of fell off. I hope in some way. We can go back in our history and our roots and say, hey, it's okay for us to kind of get back in that realm and us playing golf again and kind of, you know, playing that business game. That's the game where people discuss business all the time. Yeah. And kind of get back to that, to that, to that element again. Um, how do you feel about it, JR? Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. And you know, I didn't even know about Lee Elder until you guys told me about him. So I did a kind of a quick look there and and it it, it kind of it stings. Like it's embarrassing, right? That somebody uh, like me who grew up in sports uh, has never heard of this man before. Um, but that being said, I feel like it's really just a reminder that, you know, some of the, the atrocities that African-Americans have suffered mm-hmm. uh, weren't that long ago, you know, 1975 when he, you know, went to the masters that that wasn't that long ago. You know, I was born in 1980, so it happened before I was born, but that being said, you know, we're talking about, less than 50 years ago. So I think this is just another reminder, man, that, uh, you know, some of the, the stuff that we're fighting for uh, as African-Americans, um, we're fighting for it because, uh, number one, we, we, we deserve it. Uh, but also, mm-hmm. number two, um, you know, as much as you try to bury stuff in the history book, uh, time is time is time. And <laughs> say what you want. Uh, 20, 46 years ago was not very long ago. Not very long ago, we had somebody who had to fight their way into a situation of equality. So 
to me, it's just a reminder that, yeah, we have come a long way, uh, but it hasn't been that long. We still got a long way to go and we need to continue to celebrate and, and talk about the people that, that took the arrows in the back so that people like Tiger, shit, like myself, could actually have an opportunity to be successful in that in, 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 the, in certain realms. So that's good points, man. That, I mean, that, yeah. that's crazy. Right. And, and y'all youngins, man, I, I'm sitting here with all this gray in my beard, you know, I'm born in 69. Y'all, y'all young folks. Okay. Man, I right? got the gray in the beard now. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> you know what, you know? you know what, you know what's interesting about this though, that, I, that, that the first thing that came to my mind when I, when I read the article, we just got over this, the Aubrey case, right. And we felt justice was kind of served at least an equal hit we got mm. we got something back with the with the Aubrey case because they got found convicted guilty and then then we got a sense of history unfortunately the man passed away but now we get a sense of history where we come from how far we you know not how far we came but look at the things we're still going through as far as the struggle as a race as a culture as that that that, that, that division between white and black you know what I mean this guy was barely able to go in there and play and compete and here we go we're dealing with a case where we were excited the guys were found guilty of committing a crime against African American men, you know, yeah. because we thought they would might get off. So it's kind of crazy, kind of how everything kind of just the synergy kind of just kind of connected for me when I read the article because it was Augusta, Georgia, that happened right outside of Georgia, the the Aubrey case, right, right outside, right outside of Atlanta. Yeah, so, yeah, and interesting, interesting context that you put it there. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna go off script, right? Because that's just what I do, and I and I'm and I'm gonna turn the tables on on, on you, Jr. And, and ask you again, kind of what Mattel was just bringing up. So you, you went to college, San Diego. Uh, how how was that? Right, you, you walking on 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 the field. Yeah, you were stand out in high school as well. But did, did were there any uh, perceived pressures? Were, were there any issues again with you coming on and and really having to overachieve right to get to the levels that you did uh, at, at San Diego and then competing in any in, 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 uh, NFL, right? Just when, when you were being drafted and when you were going through the combine and, and all of those activities, just, and you don't have to go into details if you don't want to, but, but again, just has this touched you personally from your sports career and, and from your athletic uh, background? You know, it's crazy, man. I, I talk about this a little bit. So again, uh, I grew up in Louisiana where uh, racism was very over. Like you knew if somebody mm-hmm. didn't like you, they would, they would tell you, you know, um, I had many of fights on playgrounds uh, from people calling me the N-word that mm-hmm. shouldn't be calling me the N-word. And this was as a kid, right? But when you come to San Diego, again, it's so diverse out here um, that it's very easy to uh, make the assumption that that doesn't exist. Racism doesn't exist. But what I found in San Diego is that it's arguably more covert. You know, you don't have people coming up to you and necessarily saying things to you that show you that they don't like you because of your race. But there's maybe some covert underlying things that, um, you know, through their actions, they're they're showing you that they don't like you um, uh, because of of your race. So I thought that for me, that was kind of interesting. Um, It gave me a little bit of a different perspective. Um, And honestly, like, which would you prefer? Personally, I would prefer to know if you like me or not, right? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I know you don't like me, then we're on the same page. I think the hardest part is the covertness of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's when we talk about systemic issues, you know, a lot of the issues that are kind of built into the system that uh, catch 
African Americans in the system just by the way the system is 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 set up and written and and again it's 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 tough man it's tough to to again play a sport you know thinking that everybody likes you just based off of the perception um but knowing that that's probably not the case mm, there's some um, underlying issues right there, there's some underlying mm. issues there so and you know again i mean like you said not to go off script but to go off script you know i look at uh all of the movement that's happening in college football right now all of the head coaches that are you know taking new jobs and new coaches are being hired and i just find it odd that over 70 percent of uh, football players at the D1 level are, are African-American and somehow, yeah. some way we have very few African-American head coaches. At the D1 <laughs> hey, don't trip. Level. So, You're not going off hey, script. Cause that's literally the, the next topic yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> well, before, before we go into college, I want to go into the college thing too. Yeah. Let, let's stay in the NFL a little bit. Cause I mean, with the racism thing, especially with the, the Gruden issue, like mm. that underlining that, that situation, one, right. have you dealt with anything like that in the league? And were you surprised when you heard that about Gruden and other executives talking that way about African-Americans and, and women, to be honest with you? So this is this is why I say, like, I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. I was, but mm-hmm. should I be? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is what I say. Yeah. This is okay. where it's yeah. confusing, right? Because if you're playing a sport, you're assuming that everybody in that locker room upstairs and downstairs is there for the same reason, which is to win games. But not knowing that what's going on upstairs, there's a little bit of an underlying. It sucks, man. Yeah, I mean, so, yes, I was very surprised. I did not think that anything like that would come out. But we've seen it time and time again. I mean, we saw it with the Clippers owner. Um, mm-hmm. we saw it with the Phoenix Suns owner here yeah. recently. Well, we're um, about to see something with RG three, right? He's about to release this book talking about the that. Washington team. Right. So who knows what's going to be in that manuscript? Who knows you know, what he's going to say about, about them, that dysfunctional organization or perceived to be dysfunctional organization. Yeah. So, you know, the reality is it's there and, yeah. you know, yeah. as an African-American male, I need to be able to say that it's there. And as a, you know, Caucasian male or female, we need to be comfortable saying that it's there because we can't address a problem that we don't acknowledge. So I think these uh, things that have kind of come out have just showed us that, yes, we have come a long way. Things are not the way they were, uh, but we still have, have a long way to go. Let me, let me ask a question before we go into the next topic as well, and then kind of turn this both on, on you guys, because you, you both are, are real, uh, highly involved with the youth, right, in terms of youth sports and things of that nature. Are, are you having these types of conversations with the, the, the youth athletes right now? Again, about uh, not, not and I don't want to say fitting in. That's, that's just definitely not the right thing I want to say. I, I guess uh, making sure that, you know, their talent speaks the volumes uh, that they go in and show respect for themselves and other folks will hopefully show respect for them. I mean, what's the conversation that you're having with these eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 12th grade year olds that are, that are out there competing as well. So I'll jump first and I'll take it to Montel, but you know, for me, I say um, don't use it as a crutch, Mm. but don't be surprised by it. Right. So again, go out there, 
work hard, know that your talents should be enough to separate you uh, from the pack. Uh, but if you find out something came up that was keeping you back, don't be surprised by it, right? So don't use it as a crutch. The coach didn't bench you because you're black. Don't don't go into it with that mentality. But also, don't be surprised that if something pops up um, that you know shouldn't mm-hmm. have popped up. Don't don't be surprised by it. You know. Yeah, I I'm a little bit more brash with it. To be honest with you, when I talk to kids, um, I, I'm, I'm you know what, especially when kids see, I deal with more kids that go to these more these more of these rural towns. It's going to go to these smaller colleges where that diversity is not as much as a big school. So I make sure that I, I let them know that they have, they have to be aware of the surroundings. And in those surroundings, there is, there'll probably be some racial situations, you know, there'll be racial situations with you interracial dating because most schools, those schools don't have a lot of, you know, African-American women or they don't, they don't have a lot of diversity women that's just so they tend to date, they t- tend to date outside the race and date, date Caucasian women. So sometimes there's a racial boundary in there in these situations. I always tell kids, don't let it stop you. You know, those few individuals that have those comments or those few individuals that are gonna 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 be in that situation, don't let it stop you. Uh, because let's be I, I and I keep it real. I go, this ain't gonna be the first time somebody called you the N-word and they won't be the last. So why would you let that hinder what you're trying to do on the field or trying to do in the classroom in order to achieve? your ultimate goal. And, I, and I, that's that's kind of the blunt way I put it because you can't let those things discourage you because we already know whether it's in your face or whether it's like uh, JR said, covert, you got to keep pushing through it in order to exceed your goals because that way we can elevate ourselves to educate other people and to, bring, and to, to start to change our generational wealth and so on, the generational education. You can't let that stuff stop you, especially within the athletic realm. So that's kind of how I approach it with the kids. Wow. Okay. I love it. Uh, keep having the conversations, man, because, you know, th- those young minds are like sponges and uh, being a mentor, especially in, in the coaching realm, like like you guys are definitely, definitely uh, critical for, for a lot of the young minds. Uh, JR, you, you talked about it. Let's go and get into it now. We, we, we got all these coaches got all these folks moving from Louisiana, moving from uh, Oklahoma coming to California or going somewhere and, and making a lot of money. Uh, Lincoln Riley headed to USC. No, not headed. He's in, he, he's in Southern Cal. This man right yep. here is, hold on. Let me, let me find out how much money Lincoln, that uh, Lincoln Riley is making. Cause uh, he, he, uh, he signed some checks or well, he going to get some checks. Yeah. He, I, mean, I think he's a hundred million plus. So the, um, well, no. They bought both his houses. Yeah, so here go, go to the rumor, right? The, the, the terms of the contract. <laughs> yeah. $100 million, $110 million. I, mean, I think we were talking about it before on another show. Uh, they're not only buying him as a coach, but they're buying him in order to change that culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they brought them on to change, to change that culture at USC because right now it's not what they perceive to be, especially they're not winning. Um, I think that's the same way why they signed the brother in Michigan State because he changed that culture and they like what he's doing. So instead of losing him to the NFL, they're going to pay him. The other ones, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out. I know that you know Brian Kelly was a dream job to go to LSU, so he took it. Um, 
I think more so than the coaches' movement, because we see this every year, but not the dollars haven't been this big. But JR, my question would be, where is the, the, the loyalty? That they always speak about us as student athletes, we need to have, but obviously at this big stage, there is no loyalty with coaches. If the money's there and the job is there, they're they're bolting. I even heard the, the Oregon coach might bolt to Miami because that's where he's from. Yeah. So where's the tell tell me what you think about that that that, that aspect of, of, of the game. Man, I, I think um it's a business, you know, and and we 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 know the youth football, uh Pop Warner High School is really not a business more times than not. I mean, some places it is, but more times than not, it's it's not. It's about the kids. It's about the development, the camaraderie, the loyalty, the teamwork. And I think the higher you go, the less it becomes about that and the more it becomes about business. Um, the problem is, is we, we hide that fact from the kids. Mm. So when a Lincoln Riley goes into USC, uh, he's going to go into the locker room of a kid and he's going to preach loyalty and family and virtues and values. And again, that's what kids are used to because that's why they play that sport. Um, that's what they've always been taught. But the reality of the situation is, is the higher you go, the further from that um, the sport becomes. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it except for the fact that we don't tell kids the truth. You know, if I go to a college because of a coach and that coach is telling me he's going to be there with me, he's going to watch me develop. He's going to be there when I walk across the stage. Yeah. Knowing that he has a number in the back of his head or he has a destination in the back of his mind. And if he gets that call or if that number shows up, he's out of there. I just think it puts the kids at a, at a, at a, at a disservice. So, just tell kids the truth, man. Uh, we, we all grown men. We can handle it. Um, the, the the industry isn't designed that way right now, but I do believe that we just we got to be truthful with these kids as it pertains to um, the sport that they're playing and what it really is all about. And the, and the business aspect, because it's crazy. I think Brian Kelly, like the week before, right, he signed with LSU. He was he was up there at the podium saying, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm staying here. This this is me. We're gonna we're gonna ride or die here in Notre Dame. And sure enough, as soon as they lost that game, the next day, right, he announced that he was going to LSU. And, and again, look at these these insane numbers. Everyone knows Saban, right? Saban's not even the the most highly paid coach right now. It's Lincoln Riley, ten plus million dollars. Saban's number two at nine point eight. Brian Kelly again at the nine point five. But it's the and my guy Dabo's down there at number five. You know, or number six. Dabo down there eight point four. He just bringing in eight point four million dollars. <laughs> Scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel. Dabo. You know what I'm saying? He you no. Know, he trying to keep the lights on out there. But you know, <laughs> just, these numbers again are when when you're trying to tell these kids that again. Get out there and compete. Get out there and do do your best. But again, just just like you were saying, Jar. If I hear a number on my phone and, and you know, I check in with the boss and the wife says, yeah, we're moving from from Oklahoma. Now we're moving over to Southern California. Bags are packed. And again, where is that? Imagine that conversation that next day when you go tell your team that, sorry, 
it's me. It's not you. I'm leaving. Uh, you know, don't, don't take it personal, but yeah. But uh, the crazy thing, they're not even having, I mean, at least Brian Kelly, he texts his team. He said he's yeah. Like, he didn't even have a conversation with him. He's like, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm gone. But, I mean, JR, I think you put it the best way I've ever heard it put about the business aspect where the, 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 the higher you go, the more of a business it becomes. And I think that, should re- you're right that should resonate with more young men if, if you explain it to them that way i've never even heard it explained that way until you just said it to be honest mm. uh, but the business aspect is the is a crucial aspect and let's be perfectly honest man when you get in the real world when you get past that teen that teenage years when you, you know even if you go to the league or not um that when you get to about 22 years old it's like hey it's all about i gotta figure out where i'm gonna get my benjamins from right yeah. my paycheck from yeah. And I don't blame the, I, don't, I really don't blame the coaches. If somebody's offered me an extra million dollars or offer me a, a, a lot of money to go ch- change jobs or change locations, why wouldn't you take it? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Get your worth, it. right? I mean, go go get yeah, them yeah. dollars. If you if you know you're worth it, you feel that you're worth it, you're confident in your capabilities and your abilities, and someone wants to pay you top dollar, you, you yeah. and and if but something I, I find, dire I, isn't I stopping you from moving. You know, but I find it interesting that the players now in college is becoming a business as well, right? With the portal opening, the NIL is yeah. now intact. In so the business is now coming into the players' lives as well in this transition at, at that college age now because the, you're able to make money now mm-hmm. off your likeness, whether it be if you don't like where you're at, you're able to transfer without sitting, sitting out now, you know? You can, you can go where you want to without sitting out, especially if you're a grad transfer. So now they can do the same thing to coaches. See, they, we all talk about the coaches leaving the players. Players leaving coaches all every day, all day, right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Starters that don't like being there, bench players that don't like being there, doesn't matter the situation. If they don't like the situation, they're bolting out. So I hate the, I hate, I hate the double-edged sword that we're currently cries. You know, mm. we were here for coaches, now he's leaving. Oh, you know what? But we never talk about the player leaving the coach. He's always disgruntled, right? The player's always a right. coach is in lightning or something, and he's just a disgruntled young man, so he's leaving. Well, it's time to go go both ways. I think I think the, the playing field's kind of leveraging who can leave when and where without without no problem. So exactly. Per- perfect segue because um, again, we, we go, go ahead, man. No, no, it's kind of crazy. But I but I but I'm, I'm gonna ask a personal question that's, that's really close to heart to Jr. Uh oh. You may hope. A lot of opportunity opening up, and he's been winning the last two years. I, you can't tell me anybody trying to poke the bear. Would you be upset if he left? And why? You know what? Way. I would be. I'd be surprised, uh, just because this is his second go around. Um, you know, he did bolt the first time and went to Michigan. Uh, and again, I can understand why. Right? It was his dream job. They put a lot of money on the table. Um, but now he's back at San Diego State, and I think he's back at San Diego State because uh, he really sees an opportunity to build something special at San Diego State. And um, I don't see him leaving for something bigger or better. He's already tested the grass, is the grass greener on the other side scenario. And he finds himself back in a situation that I think is not only perfect for the school, but it's perfect for him. So I would be very surprised if uh, 
lightning struck twice. And, okay. you know, Coach Hope decided that uh, the grass was greener somewhere else. Um, I think just because of the experience that he had at State the first time and the experience that he, he's recreating now, um, I feel like he's pretty committed and entrenched to the program. I like your answer. I do. I, I love your answer, but the answer why I don't think he's going to leave is because I believe San Diego State will be joining the Pac-12. I think they'll be the Pac-14 or the Pac-16, and I think it'll be announced at the end of this year. It makes no sense. Wow. They got the new stadium. They're winning. They've beaten the Pac-12 teams constantly for the last two years, so they can compete. I believe them and Boise State will be the next additions to the Pac-12. Heard it here first. I I'm about, I'm, I'm make, I'm make sure to take a time stamp on that. Yeah, because because we know and the believe, SEC, SEC is changing in a couple of years. The SEC is is reforming in a couple of years. But okay, we'll we'll see what happens with with that. Uh, well, I mean, I think it just only makes sense to realign the two the two teams that have been so successful on the West Coast to join the Pac-12. And I know the Pac-12 commissioner said he wouldn't do it. But I think that was a smoke and mirror because he wasn't going to be able to get the Nebraskans and them guys to jump over. Mm-hmm. But I think now that San Diego State's a top 25 and the top 20 team, Boise State was kind of flirting with being in the top 20 before they ended this year before they kind of fell off. Both of those markets can handle being in the Pac-12. They've both been able to, to sustain. And San Diego State's building a new stadium, which is going to be able to be retrofit to be able to handle that. And I think Boise State has just gotten such a name state. They will be, they will be able to enter that. I think that's the main reason, not the lightning strike twice. I think Hokie and them know that, and I think San Diego State administration knows that. So there's no reason to bounce because you're going to be in a Power Five conference anyway, and they'll be super competitive. Like a, like a, a reverse Boom! Brian Kelly. Yeah, listen at you. You're over there trying to drop him, boy, like a reverse Brian Kelly. But I'll go ahead and give you something. I'll go ahead and give you something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give you a Nas hit, brother. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that how that works out. Okay. I took a time stamp. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll come back in a couple of years and, and see exactly how that worked out. But, if that happens, if that happens, I'm watch, watch if that happens. I, I think that's gonna happen. I don't, it makes it makes no sense not to happen to me. It makes no sense not for it to happen. Audience, who knows so, what this man is talking about? But you know, he, he he's got a crystal ball. He he know you know Montel has come through a couple of times and and said and and spit some facts that that we didn't know what in the world he was talking about. But sure enough, it came, it came to fruition. We started talking about NIL, and 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 uh, I mentioned it earlier. Your thoughts on that, man? Because because again, that just the fact that kind of like Montel was saying, players now have more of an upper hand, right? When when it comes to where they want to be, where they want to stay, if they're if they're riding the bench, if they're not playing, whatever the case may be, they can go to another college university, get a get a deal with Popeyes Chicken. And start making money off of, you know, passing out food and, and they're making ton of money, right? Four, five, six figures, whatever. And and that works out for them. What are your thoughts, though? Again, we uh, we talked about this when it first came out. 17, 18, 19 year olds now getting paid off of their name, image and likeness, their brand, which they don't even have one yet. Uh, so, so but just just having. I'm gonna say that clout, right, and that capability, that that power, right, as as it comes to where they want to be and where they want to play and where they want to put that name, image, and likeness out there. What what are your thoughts on that, uh, Jr.? You know, I like it, man. Um, I like it because it puts the responsibility on um, players to educate themselves. Um, 
what does it mean to be a business? What does it mean to, to operate as a business? Um, I think that's a powerful, powerful lesson that anybody could learn. But if you're 19 or 20 years old and you actually have a business opportunity, it's going to force you to, to learn the fundamentals of, of business. So I like it. Um, you know, some of the, the greatest things I've learned uh, as a, as a, as a man in my life has been around business. And I wasn't forced to learn those things until I got into the business environment, which was after I got done playing. So I like this idea of, of, of college athletes being able to generate revenue from their name, image, and likeness, not necessarily because, you know, they're going to make a ton of money, but because I think the education, the financial literacy, is going to be forced upon them at an earlier age. And I think as a society that can do nothing but uh, make us better as a whole. So I love it. Love it. I love I, it. I want to play. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate on you, though. Don't you think sometimes that divides a team, especially when you see someone that's making a whole lot of money and I'm and there's other people that are not making a lot of money. We're, we're, we're all in a situation where we're competitive and we're human. If that person's not performing, one, there's always going to be that stigma on them if they're not performing and they're getting a lot of money. And two, what, where, if I feel you're getting a lot and I'm not getting any, there becomes, I think, a rip there. It's it's at certain points when it comes to that thing because they're all in the same thing and they all know. We all know, you know. And I'll use an example like Master Pisa played basketball at Tennessee State. He signed that NIL for a million dollars. You can't tell me there's not people on that team that's not jealous, not envious, not, not you know, some probably even enraged that that situation is going on. And I always, I always think, I don't think we've seen, we've seen the good of NIL. We haven't seen the ugly yet, but I think the ugly is going to come. And what I mean by the ugly is there will be people that are in desperate situations that may want to rob that person, even if you're teammates. People still be teammates even when they were not rich, but so if they want to rob him or they want to put that person in a, in a situation where it's physical harm or threatening manner because of that. And I, I think we haven't seen that part, but I think it comes as the more money comes and it's, the, and it's, it's, seg, it's segmented out. I think there's going to be an ugly side to this. What do you think? Yeah, I think there'll be some downside. And to your point, um, we don't know what that is yet. We haven't really seen the fallout of it. Um, I think the bond of a team is stronger than off the field jealousy and hate. Um, and that's just being in an NFL locker room. You know, I sat next to a guy whose paycheck was 10 times the size of mine. Um, I had, I would felt jealous, right? I would love for his paycheck to be my paycheck. And, and, you know, I don't think there's anything odd about that, but at the same time, he's my teammate. Right. And, and we're there for the same reason, which is to, you know, go out and, and, and win football games. So um, I, I don't I don't see that as a uh, as a as a huge downside, because, again, I, we, the guys are in the locker room as teammates. Um, you might be right. There might be some instances where guys take it to another level. Uh, granted, I was in the NFL, so I was making money. There was just guys making more money than me. But in college, you know, you might have some guys who aren't making anything, who are literally struggling mm -hmm. and 
the guy next to him is making a ton of money and maybe that does put him in a certain uh, state of mind. So um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I guess it's all conjecture and projection at this point, but I like it because I feel like it gives everybody an equal opportunity to go out and be entrepreneurial. Right. And whether you're Starbucks or you're Mira Mesa coffee shop, at the same time, we have the same opportunity, which is to sell coffee to people who want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like having that level playing field because you'll find that some guys who aren't even on the field are going to end up making more, more money from their name, image, and likeness than guys who are starters. Yeah, just because they're going to approach it as a as a business, and that to me that excites me. I love that. No, I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I got one more. I got one more part about this too. Since we know about these things, obviously, like I said, masterpiece son making a million dollars. What about the scrutiny and and the pressure? Because now that we know you're you're making a million, even though it's not on, it's not you got to pay for the school, but you're you're making that kind of money. You know, when you're not performing like you're supposed to be, or like the way people think you're supposed to be performing, that pressure and the media scrutiny. How do you think these young men are supposed to handle that? And are, are they going to teach them how to handle that? Because that's a, that's I think that's a huge deal for a, a 17, 18, 19, 20 year old who hasn't really experienced any life lessons or very or very few life lessons in that room. What's your what's your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're spot on. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you because it's true, right? Like at the end of the day, um, if you sign a big contract, there's expectations that you're going to fulfill that contract. And if you don't, there's going to be scrutiny that comes with that. College kids haven't had to deal with that. Pro guys do, but also pro guys are, are older. Their, mm-hmm. their frontal lobe is, is, is more developed, if not fully developed, right? So I agree with you, man. I think that uh, that pressure, um, they say pressure don't 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 bust people it bust pipes right but mm. i don't know i think you're right i think that that some guys and gals could be in a position where that pressure is 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 more than than they bargained for yeah i agree shout out to, to quint here bringing in some good questions too he was talking about since he's coming from nebraska he was giving some some props to lexi's son the volleyball player out there and then he was talking about spencer uh, Rattler in terms of that, that last conversation. I, I the kid from uh, um, Clemson, too, struggled this year, right? The, yeah. What's his name? Yep. DJ? Yep. The Paul, the Paul, this kid, you, you, I forgot to pronounce his last name, but DJ, he struggled mm-hmm. really hard you, you this year. Me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he struggled, so, too. And, you yeah. know, he got a bunch of money from Dr. Pepper and then uh, <laughs> went out and kind of peppered down his leg the first couple of games, so. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Listen, man, this is a whole new world and, and uh, time will tell uh, how things develop for sure. I was going to talk about the and we well, we probably still about the MLB lockout because, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball guy. But, you know, I got two football uh, savants right now <laughs> and, and something just came and hit me and I'm interested in this. So I'm going to be selfish, but. JR, as you came into the league, and, and we were wondering about this as well, still in line with NIL, the people around you, your, 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 your squad that comes around, your people, right? Is there kind of that initiation of 
you know, this is what you should be doing with this wad of money that you're about to start getting. Are, are there folks that actually come sit you down and say, let's talk about opening up these bank accounts. Let's talk about getting an attorney. Let's talk about getting laying out all these pieces so you can not be broke in in three years when you probably got got a bad ankle or you know whatever the case may be. But again, you, you come into, into into this newfound uh, positive in, in the banking account. Are, are there folks that sit you down and, and talk to the young cats and say, you know, again, this is these are the best practices as opposed to going out and always getting the rims and always getting the jewelry and always getting the whatever, the whatever. Does that happen? I know we we on the outside. So we we assume and, and we hear bits and pieces. But I'm just wondering, again, did they have those types of uh, opportunities for folks? You know, so they have a lot of uh, education opportunities. You know, they bring a lot of people to kind of come in and chat with guys about best practices. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think that uh, it's one thing to to talk about it. It's another thing to take responsibility, sit a guy down and make sure that he's doing it or at the very least knows how to do it. Not just why to do it, why it's important, but how to do it. You know, I've heard stories of, of players who've gone into the NFL, they've gotten their signing bonus and they didn't know how to deposit the money into the bank account. Right. Like they're so used to, you know, Venmo in and cash yeah. happening or whatever that when you put a check in their hands, they're like, all right, so how do I, yeah. So again, to me, um, I would love if the, these sports teams took a little bit more of a proactive approach to make sure that guys are checking the box, right. right? Checking the boxes. This is how you do it. This is where you do it. This is why you do it. As opposed to a lot of the lip service that happens, Hey, we're educating and we're teaching, but they're really kind of doing that just to kind of like identify themselves as liability as opposed to really taking an interest into the players and saying, all right, look, we got a hundred things that we need to do. You, me, and these hundred things, we're going to get these things done over the next three weeks so that I know that you're, you're straight. So it's not as aggressive, I think, as it should be, which is why I think guys uh, get in a little bit more trouble than, than, than they would if it were. Wow. That's, that's too bad. I'm glad you brought that up, man. But cause you know, just, just seems like you should have some people. Right. When, when, when you come into just one of the largest organizations on the planet and the NFL is, is, is powerful. Right. And people don't 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 kid yourself. Right. And Roger Goodell is sitting. He's got some control over some things. And just when, when these players come in, they're the real draw. Right there. I, I, don't, I don't come to see Jerry Jones. I come to right. I come to see J.R. Tover, you know, running down the side and, and, and breaking out on a slant. But I, hey, I don't know. JR, I, I, I talked to you know, I, I know a lot of you guys, NFL guys, I talk to you guys a lot. Um, and I remember uh, one NFL player explained to me, he was like, and he got he got a big bonus, a big, he made it, I mean, he got some pretty good money. And he was explaining to me, he's like, I'm literally broke. Even though I got this big signing bonus and my money, I'm broke. And he said, I, he broke it down to me. He said, my signing bonus, Uncle Sam takes half. Half is gone because I'm in the upper. I'm in. I'm in the high tax bracket now. So Uncle Sam takes half of my bonus. That's great. My agent takes his percentage off of my whole one, not after my taxes, 
what I initially got. He takes that part. I, I'm, I'm in California because he was in San Diego. I have to have a place to live, so I can either buy or rent or whatnot. Maybe rent will save me some more money, but I would like to have something I can have. So he's like paying it, staying in California. A big chunk of it's gone. That's gone now. Um, not only that, but paying off any bad debt my parents have, and trying to help them out and dealing with that stuff. A little bit chunk of that's gone, and now I'm left with this much to basically last me on my weekly paychecks and my bonus until I can get my second contract. Which basically, I'm living better than I'm living better than the average person, but I'm damn sure not living on the top of the hill <laughs> where I'm making all this money. What people think the perception is you got all this money because they say, "Hey, you got a three million dollar signing bonus and this is your contract." But he's like, in reality, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. The money's gone, and my agent's going to continue to get paid. He's going to continue to get paid. I have to pay an accountant. I have to pay a lawyer. So my money, that $3 million that I got, it's really $1.5 that was in my hand. And that $1.5 that I got is basically dwindling down in 50,000 chunks by the minute. It's, it's, it's going because I got to pay these people in order to make sure I maintain at least a decent lifestyle for why I'm here. Because if I get hurt or anything happens, this is all I have to live off of. That's a good perspective, brother. I never so I never I thought mean, about it that way. Jr. Is that right? Is that is that kind of accurate or no? Yeah, and and I think um, going hmm. back to this NIL situation, I think this is why players need to understand that they're not. You know, we 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 kind of glorify players as rich employees, high income earning or high net worth individuals, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're they're high revenue businesses. And if you look at any business on earth, right, businesses are designed to generate revenue and then to create a profit. So the problem I think with players is, is that when we, when they're taught to approach themselves as a high income earning employee, they're thinking this money that's in this bank account is mine. And that's where they get in trouble. If I'm a business owner, I know that every dollar that comes in you know, a nickel has to go to rent, seven cents mm-hmm. has to go to marketing, mm-hmm. 14 cents has to go to block. And then I have 10 cents left over or 15 cents left over for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I really believe that this is a, a really cool opportunity for players to start thinking about what does it mean to be a high revenue business as opposed to a high income earning employee. And I think that little shift in thought will release some of the tension and anxiety of everybody's trying to grab at my money. Because when you're a business, yes, everybody's grabbing at your your landlord, (laughs) the payroll company, me, the insurance guy. That new cousin that just came out of the woodwork, you know. Straight up, (laughs) right? Um, So so I really believe, like I said, NIL is gonna teach players how to operate and think like businessmen, like Mm. CEOs. And that's going to put them in position to capitalize a little bit better uh, on their on their playing on their playing career. Wow! That that should be your first classroom at San Diego State. You should be <laughs> having a little classroom right there. For, for real, man. Teaching. I mean, learn. So exactly, I was going to ask. So how do we make that change, right? How how do we do the Michael Jackson, right? Stand in the mirror, and and that <laughs> there it is, right there. Uh, go out there and and talk to these folks about how to the fact that they are the business. Right. They, they are the ones that uh, should be in control of that destiny and, and just 
taking that, draw that picture on the whiteboard of a dollar. Just, just, just kind of like you just, just did right now. 10 cents going here, 20 cents going there. You got five cents to go buy some top ramen from, from the store or whatever. And this is what you got left. That that's the education that, that again, I just feel that especially just a lot of folks that we've said about this before coming from nothing or coming from very little. And now they got a little bit of scratch in their pocket. Right, is man, just don't leave them rims alone. Leave, leave, leave don't leave, leave all that jewelry alone. Do, do the do the better thing. Do do the smarter thing, and just just I, I, having I people think, talk about that. But I do think it's interesting. I, I think you're right, Jr. It needs to start now at the collegiate level with the NIL since it's starting to become that way. Yeah. Um, but I also believe though that that it's not a one. It's not a seminar. What you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a class. It's not a one hour or two hour seminar. I could teach you all this. It's a class that I need to teach you. And you need this to be hammered in your head for hours and hours for hours for you to understand how to not only to get it in theory, but also how to apply it. Bro, and listen, like this is like what football players do, right? We yes. you put us in a classroom, you teach us the playbook. We go out on the field. We try to execute what you just taught us. And then we come back in the classroom and watch the film <laughs> and review and correct, right? Yep. And, and you're yep. absolutely right. Athletes are the perfect source of teaching if you teach them how they're used to learning. If yes. you sit an athlete down and you say, I'm going to teach you about business for the next 60 minutes, good luck. Well, good luck with them taking that information <laughs> and, wow. and, and doing something with it. But to exactly. your point, Montel, if you teach them, and then they do, and then you review with them what they did, and then you teach them again, and then they do, and then you review, they are going to get it, right? Yes. And so man. I totally agree with you, man. I think we just spend too much time talking at guys and not enough time showing them, showing them the process, putting them in position to do it, reviewing what they did, teaching them something new. And again, that's how, that's how all athletes learn. You know, God, that's how yeah. we all learn. That's it. Yeah. Yep. It's like, uh, and, and, that's, and that, that's the point I'm getting at. I don't understand the NFL, especially NFL. Why do we have, while they're playing, we have the most millionaires, but we also have the most people that go bankruptcy five years afterwards. You know, they lose, they lose whatever they lose. And it's because they are not teaching them. It's like you said, it's the lip service. Hey, you have the, the, what, the, the, what the hour and a half symposium that they talk about financial literacy and tell you, hey, get with this person if you can, if you want to. I'm sorry, I'm a 22 year old person just became into like five million dollars. Yeah. Right now, I'm not trying to hear anything. I, I think I'm big balling, and I'm not. It's not resonating with me right now. But I do believe if it was mandatory at the collegiate level, like you said now, and even in the NFL, show, apply, review. Show, reply, review. Boy, he break, he's breaking it down right now, boy. Do oh, oh. you see success? Can you start to, so they can understand the success? And I think that's the difference between retired players like yourself and other players that are very successful in business and the ones that aren't. I'll just be perfectly honest with the ones that aren't, that when broken, lost all of it, didn't gain that. They didn't gain that knowledge along the way. So I, I, I appreciate that, man. That's, that's so smart and so well articulated. The way you put it. All right, all right, all right. You right. That's that's it right there, man. They, they go to class right there. You, we charge what? 
1999 <laughs> for, uh, for, for, to attend that. That's 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 it. So. We, we were we were leaning towards NFL, talking a lot about that because you guys have specific uh, you know insight to that. And I wonder, does this translate across the other sports, especially sports like baseball, where there is no salary cap, where you got you know where, where you got folks like like this dude right here, Corey Sear, pulling in three hundred twenty-five million dollars for ten years. Right. Shortstop leaving the Dodgers going over to, to Texas. Are they talk? Well, even though they on lockout right now, so ain't, no, ain't nobody doing any talking. But but do they talk to their players, do you think, about a good financial literacy and about managing these large sums of, of cash coming into coming into uh, into their their wallets? I, so I, 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 I think that the I say. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, JR. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, I think the difference between NFL, MLB, and NBA is um, the ability to make mistakes and bounce back from it. So when you're in the NBA Mm. or the MLB, you can make a financial mistake and recover because you make more money and your money is guaranteed. When you're in the NFL, your money is not guaranteed. And you're literally at the bottom of the total pole in terms of uh, the money that you earn. So you just don't have the, the, the room, the freedom to make a mistake knowing that you can bounce back from it. Right. So, again, I don't necessarily know how the MLB and the NBA approaches and teaches their players. But I do know that if a player is going to be a knucklehead, and decides not to listen in the MLB or the NBA, they just have a little bit more latitude as it pertains to bouncing back from a from a bad financial decision. Got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they're they're educated a little bit more differently. And you're right because they do they can make a mistake. I mean, we have examples. Allen Iverson, right? Allen Iverson made made a lot of financial mistakes, but. Someone was smart enough to tell him to put that money away yeah. until he gets to be 40, and now he's about to be a gazillionaire again. Yeah. So, I, I, but but again, like you said, his money is guaranteed, and they're able to put that money away where they can be an NFL, which is not like that. So, it needs to be taught differently between each entity and what you're dealing with. I, I just see the NFL because of so many mass numbers. There's a mass number of, of, of guys that are playing, and it's a mass number of guys that come and go really fast. Yeah. There's no one educating when you're in, and there's definitely nobody educating when you're on your way out. You know what I mean? It's just basically, hey, good luck. You made some money. Good luck. Figure out what you're going to do with it. And then a lot of those guys, I mean, they have. if you don't have the power of no, you just resort back to what you know, spending, um, and there's nothing coming in. You know, and it's it's very hard to say when you when you ain't never had to save before, right? You don't understand how those ramifications come. So I think the NFL needs to be do a better job in that as well as a lot of other things. But, I mean, that's one of the things I think they need to teach young guys that are coming into some money. Truth. Look at that. We, we didn't talk about one single score. I told you, yeah, we, 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 we stay away from just them superficial kind. Isn't somebody playing tonight, too? I, I can't recall. It's yeah, Thursday. Somebody playing. playing. I, I know my, my yeah. Steelers aren't playing, so I ain't, I ain't worried about that. 
I know, I know them Seahawks aren't playing either. God, though, they they don't. Well, we we we're not gonna get into that because there's a lot of Seattle fans out here in this area, and I don't want, I don't want nobody coming around my house throwing toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bro, hey, Jeff, we appreciate you, man. Okay, so hey, it's man, the, it's oh, been, hold on, Saints, Saints and Dallas. Bro. What did Dallas still play? Is 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 Dak yeah. behind? Well, see, I don't. I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone too. I'm gonna leave that. <laughs> Yeah, you you wealth of knowledge, man. Appreciate you coming, Team No Sleep, chopping it up with us a little bit. Won't be cognizant of your time, man. Don't want to keep you all night. But we could go all night. Look, I, but I see I know Montel on the East Coast right now. He's trying to get some sleep. Oh, no, uh, no, I'm good, man. I mean, th- this is all enlightening. Uh, before before we do wrap up, though, yeah. I want to um, send a proud to C.J. Stroud and his family. You know, the, the young mm. man that was in the NFL, a timely death um, to an unfortunate situation. Um, I pray for his family. Everybody in that situ- that whole situation, people that were affected, hope everything's okay. But uh, on the other end, man, like Jr. Bro, like I said, you just always every time we talk, we always go into deep conversation. Very enlightening, very uh, business savvy and sharp, and understands the ins and outs how it works with athletes and professional athletes. Where he has the experience and I don't, so I really do appreciate the conversation, and man, you sharing with our audience like how that stuff works and how you know how you how you see it from your view. Cause your lens is completely different than ours. So I appreciate that. Nah, man, you, you, like you said, I think uh, our perspectives are different. Our experiences are different, but you know, usually two halves make a whole. So uh, especially, you know, watching what you and, and Ruben do in the, in the community. And uh, it just inspires me to, to continue to stay involved and, 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 and have conversations and help out any way that I can. So, uh, the sentiment is mutual, my good man. Uh, I learned, learned, learned a lot from you, man. Get a lot from our relationship. And uh, yeah, looking forward to continuing to build with you for years and years to come. Cool. cool. Yeah, I got your links for all of your social media going to be in the description. So folks can definitely follow you, what you're doing in the community, what you're doing from a business side and what you're tweeting out and all that stuff. So folks can 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 hook up with you. Uh, you got the keys to the front door now, man. So uh, in, in Thursday, six thirty p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If I if I see you come through the the, the backstage here, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you through. So you, you you are definitely welcome, sir, to to come and join us at any time. We hope we hope you do. There it is. Look at that. two halves make a whole. I, I'm not gonna say nothing else. I'm, I'm just gonna drop it right there. That's that's it right there. We good, Montel. We good. We good, man. Everybody, stay ten toes down and blessed every day. Appreciate it. Out, y'all.